What's up, guys? It's Drew. And Jaleesa. And we're your hosts for When Coffee Meets Creamer. Welcome to episode 8. Numero ocho. Another guest on the show today is a close friend of mine and a Jaleesa's best friend, Nife Esho, is joining us today. Nife, how's it going today? It's going. How are you? Doing well. Doing Thank good. you. Thanks for joining us on the show. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank y'all for having me. Of course. So let's go ahead and get started. So kind of just tell the people a little bit about yourself. Oh, man. I hate, I hate talking about myself. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Nife, 28, Nigerian, came here when I was about 13. Mm-hmm. So I've been here for 15 years now. So I'm a Houstonian Nigerian. Um, I work as a medical dosimetrist right now. Um, I love it. It's really good. It's a really good career, really good profession. I enjoy it. I have lots of siblings. Um, <laughs> my mom lives in Liberty with my brothers, and my sister lives with me. And hopefully, we'll get to see them for Mother's Day. But um, not sure if that's a possibility, but we'll try. And yeah, that's a little bit about me. All right. So um, I wanted to kind of start off because you you mentioned being Nigerian and being here for 15 years now. I wanted to kind of talk about your experience of being an immigrant in the U.S. in this day and age or in the 15 years that you've been here. Um, being an immigrant in the U.S. is a constant balance between belonging and not belonging. Yeah. It's like, and in, in sometimes you'll feel like, oh man, I love this place. This is like my home now. You know, the people are awesome. And then the next minute, you'll get reminded very clearly that you're here on a provisional basis. Yeah. And this is really not fully your home. Right. You know? So, like, being an immigrant here has been interesting. Yeah. Has been very interesting. It's both frustrating and rewarding at the same time because in real life some of the opportunities I've gotten I would never have gotten them if I was still in Nigeria I mean I talked to my um, older uh, stepsister the other day and she was telling me that if I worked in Nigeria as a docentrist first off I may not even be able to find a job because they have maybe 10 radiation therapy machines (laughs) yikes so like what do you need a docentrist for and half the time the 10 they're barely working yeah. So um, there's no other than going to Europe, of course, or Canada or something like that. This is one of the only places that I could do what I do. Yeah. So it's a love, love, and then slight hate relationship with being an immigrant in the U.S. Gotcha. Can you give in, mm-hmm. any examples of the times where you've felt very much reminded that you're not an American citizen? Oh, man, this whole past four years of Trump's presidency has been a constant glaring reminder Yeah, that you're not a citizen because um, I hate uh, the thing about it is I feel like people have gotten so bold with their reckless racism slash prejudice mm-hmm. because they've been empowered by the person in power. <laughs> yeah. And um It'll be very clear, like, when you say something, they'll be like, oh, well, if you don't like it, go back to your country, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And, like, you know, the constant attacks on immigration 
constant attacks on like you know even people who are trying to do things the right way right you know like what did he have against the DACA recipients I don't I still don't understand it yeah but um yeah they remind you very clearly that you know you're not really a citizen for people that are listening I'm sorry (laughs) for for people that are listening right now that don't understand uh DACA and all that stuff could you Mm -hmm. kind of further explain that for them well, DACA is the first adjudication for childhood arrivals, and it's basically kids who are brought here by their parents, and um, maybe their visa status lasts, or they never had it in the first place, but they were brought here by their parents, so it's not like they had a choice in the situation. Right. Um, so they apply for DACA so that they get you know the right to work here and live here, and basically, for a lot of people, the only country they've ever known, mm-hmm. and the requirements are super stringent the money you have to pay is quite expensive you know mm-hmm. like when you read through the paper they require you to not have any kind of a record you can't have any investigations you have to be a student you have to um, be a student when you apply or you have to be trying to work stuff like that basically they, they want you to be a contributing sit of uh, like a citizen. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like they expect you to be not only just a good part of society, but an excellent part of society right. for you to qualify for DACA. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know that. They think it's just like they're just handing it out to anyone on the street. But once again, that's what this administration has done because they feed people ignorance and fear. Yeah. So instead of people, you know, like taking the time to do the research and understand what it actually is, they're just like, yeah, no, nah, the immigrants are taking our job. Send them home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Type thing. But, yeah. But, but do you think that's a reoccurring thing? Or does that, to you, has this only been happening in the last, since the Trump administration? See, it's always been something that's been around. It's nothing new. What's new is the boldness. Yeah. What's new is the boldness. Like, it's always been around. Always. Yeah. But what's new is, like, the intense boldness of it, you know? Yeah. And I guess it it doesn't help that there's not, I guess, some of the ways that information is reported or disseminated. It doesn't give, like, the background that you gave. Like, I remember when we talked about this earlier on some years ago when it was all kind of in the forefront I hadn't known anything about DACA and Mm -hmm. hearing about that and knowing that it directly impacted you as my best friend, I looked it up and I tried to learn more to figure out, okay, well then what's going on? What's going, what's this situation or this whole DACA thing that, that they're against right now. Mm -hmm. And when I actually found out the legitimate requirements for it, it made no sense for me for that group of people to be on the chopping block. Yeah. So I think that it was just kind of the way it was presented in a, in a number of platforms, it just kind of played into the xenophobia that people have about anybody who they can identify as the other. Yeah, basically that's, that's it. And it's once again, just the fear mongering, you know? Yeah. And, so besides the uh, the the recent administration, has there mm-hmm. been any other experiences that you've dealt with that you've known that you're 
an immigrant per se? Oh, man. I mean, even as far back as elementary school, there have been instances of it. You know, it's just a culture. The first thing is the cultural difference. Mm-hmm. You know, in Nigeria, where we lived, we lived in Shell Camp, which is basically my dad worked for Shell Oil, mm-hmm. right? So we had uh, an estate that most of the employees lived in. Mm. And I, I won't lie, it was a bit of a charmed life. It was a bit of a microcosm of society, you know, like just like little small little enclaves but we were so free yeah like it was nothing for you to run across the street and walk into your neighbor's house because everybody knew everybody right you know you walk in there you eat you go home type thing yeah you know and when we first got here i remember um my mom uh she had something she had to do in the morning and she was like oh you know get your siblings ready we'll just drop you off at the neighbor's house so that i can go and get it done and the neighbor was shook. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, what? <laughs> he was so shook. And I remember, even as young as I was at that time, I was just looking like, I, you know, what is what is so different? Like, what are you, Yeah. you know, what are you <laughs> so alarmed by? Right. And once I got older, I realized, oh, wait, that's not what you do. And of course, yeah. my mom never did that again, unless it was with our Nigerian friend. Yeah. But at that time, we were just like, oh, that's my neighbor. That's my friend, you know? Yeah. Like the 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 phrase it takes a village is taken very, very literally in Nigeria. Yeah. So you wouldn't think anything of that action, but it's different here. <laughs> very very yeah. different here. <laughs> very different here. Yeah. Um I know um I was talking to Drew earlier about um a lot of experiences that you've had with your full name. And uh, how you have been, not necessarily treated, but how it's become, instead of trying to understand your full name, it's more like, hey, say your name. Yeah, <laughs> it's it kind of, it was a bit of an annoyance. And that's actually one of the reasons why I was just like, okay, this girl next to me is going to be a friend for life. Yeah. Because I really appreciated how you like, took the time to learn my full name so that when people did that kind of thing you would speak up for me yeah because to me it wasn't like oh they're trying to get to know me oh what's your name so i can learn it it was like what's your name so i can mock it yeah whereas my name actually has a meaning right you know like there there's a reason i was named that every single part of my name means something Mm -hmm. in my dad's language and in the name my ego name my mom gave me to everything means something yeah. So when they were saying that, it was like a mockery of everything I stood for. Right. <laughs> you know, and I know people don't think of it in a in that manner. It's like, oh, I mean, what's your name? But when I'm like, oh, Tanya Lou, they're like, Tanya Lou? Yeah. Tanya <laughs> You know, and I'm like, it's really not that hard to say if you take the time. But, you know. Yeah. It, it, was, it was a frustration. And it became a bit of a spectacle, especially when we were at Baylor. Yeah. So, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> so... So as you know, this podcast primarily deals with interracial dating and struggles faced mm-hmm. or positive positives and negatives on uh, mm-hmm. both factors, both sides of you. Um, mm-hmm. I know you've been involved in an interracial relationship before as well as it doesn't have to be just a white person, of course. It's mm-hmm. it can be a person other than your race. Um, mm-hmm. Do you mind expanding on some of those relationships that you've had, positives, negatives? 
Okay, so like when it comes to interracial dating, my worry wasn't really the race per se, but more of the culture aspect and like the parents aspect. Because, mm-hmm. well, Lisa already knows this, but knows this, but I come from a family where my parents are different tribes in Nigeria. Like my dad is Yoruba and my mom's Delta Ego. So growing up, it was it felt like I was <laughs> in an interracial, like I was mixed, quote unquote. Yeah. Like that's actually the joke I tell people. Because the cultures are so vastly different. Yeah. So my main worry in this situation was like, will my family mesh with his family? Right. Will our cultures mesh? Will our values mesh? Right. And that's actually the thing that I found the most healthy. Because any, any kind of learning is good, right? Yeah. So taking yourself out of your comfort zone is good. Previously, I have only dated either an African or an African-American before. Mm-hmm. But um, dating someone of a different race was very much a, a learning curve for me. Oh, so yeah. the good aspect, I would say, was it was like a bit of an adventure of learning <laughs> yeah. like how relationship with mm-hmm. um, a white person because you were involved mm-hmm. with a white person could you it, cultural differences obviously were there <laughs> <laughs> um, did that have any effect on your relationship oh for sure oh for sure it definitely did and that's why I always tell people I could care less about green, blue, pink, yellow, whoever the color, whatever color this person comes in. Yeah. Your your values and your culture has to mesh. Yeah. Like things you consider important has to mesh. Mm-hmm. Period. And that was the issue. Mm-hmm. You know, like great human beings, but the values and the culture didn't mesh. Yeah. So it definitely played a part. Like I'm I come from a family where we strive for every dime we get you know and we're because of that we're extremely frugal when when you have uh um when you come from a background where you don't have that same story it's going to be hard to understand a person like me you know it's going to be hard to understand a person who's like i would rather drive my car till it literally explodes which actually happened Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would rather drive my car till it literally explodes before yeah. I buy it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to understand a person like me because to, on, the, on the other effect, it's like, okay, your car is making noises, buy a new one, yeah. get someone to sign on it for you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it takes me from A to B. What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> So, like, things like that, it may not seem like it's important in the beginning because of the spark and the, oh, butterflies and all that. <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, I was about to say a bad word. But, <laughs> and you all can't. that stuff. But, yeah, it, it actually plays a huge part down the line. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, with any of these interracial relationships... Have you or the other person met each other's families? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. Um, 
the person I dated met my mom. Mm-hmm. And it was very, very clear the cultural difference. Yeah. So one thing, it was like a, there's a lot of emphasis in I can take care of your daughter. I can take care of your daughter, you know, I can provide for her type thing. Mm-hmm. And, and to any African who's listening, please leave a comment. But if you go to your your boyfriend or your girlfriend's house and start telling her parents that you can take better care of their child, <laughs> how do you think that interaction will go? Right. <laughs> like, to us, it's like an ultimate disrespect because it's like, I can take care of my child. What do you mean? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, literally what makes you think i am not taking care of my child who are you to come and tell me right that she can provide for my daughter do you think she's so right now you think she's not being provided for (laughs) (laughs) that's how my mother took it yeah but that's not how he intended it to come out right you know definitely not how he intended it to come out it's just a cultural difference yeah you know and that that was like um (laughs) You know, just just one clue. Yeah. Right. Do you think that's a conversation you should have with someone before they meet your family? Honestly, I I don't know how you can predict that kind of a thing. Yeah. Now I can have a conversation like and be like, you have to be respectful, like saying, like you know, good afternoon, ma'am. Good afternoon, sir. You know, like uh, the approach with respect, don't, like, be loud, don't be, don't say anything, don't call them by their first name, right. unless right. you don't want to be alive anymore, right. you know, like, <laughs> like, you know, just like, just like, I can, I can predict things like that, right, I can't predict other things, you know, I can't be like, oh, he's gonna say that, because I didn't expect that either, and yeah. I was just thinking under the table the entire time, because <laughs> I knew, you know, the, the quieter my mom was getting, I was like, this is going terribly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Honestly, once an African stops talking and just starts staring at you, just know you have messed up. Uh-oh, In this okay. life, you have messed up. <laughs> Noted. But, yeah, like, you can't really predict that thing. But I will say, like, okay, anyone who's listening, if you're dating a Nigerian, you're meeting the parents. Definitely approach the situation with respect. Like, go into it with, like, a, a plan in mind. Because they will ask you questions. You know, what are your intentions? You know, what do you do? What are your goals for the future? What are your plans for life? You mm-hmm. know, like, so they do want to know, okay, if, you, if indeed it gets to, like, a marriage situation, you know, will my son or will my daughter be okay with this person? So, like, they, you know, expect their degree. Right. Um, but approach it in a calm, like, understanding manner and a respectful manner and you'll be fine. Yeah. You know? Like, I, I think Drew got a little taste of that when... <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say, uh, <laughs> so that's where all that comes from. <laughs> exactly. Because it's like, I just want, I want to know, like, you know, how will my friend be treated by this person? Like, how will, you know, what will y'all's life look like if indeed it gets to that point, you know? Which, thankfully, it's getting to that point. So I was, I'm happy that the first meeting went well. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But like things like that are important to us because um, in our culture, dating isn't supposed to be just for fun, especially yeah. if I'm taking you to meet my parents. Right. It's not supposed to be just for fun. So, yeah. 
Well, and I think that is also a big point to bring up that if you are dating somebody outside of your culture, that would be something that I think, like me being put in the in your ex-boyfriend's position, I think mm-hmm. that would kind of spur in me, okay, so let's say, you know, you're going to meet the parents, the things you can predict, they're going to be like, what are your intentions? What are you doing with mm-hmm. your life? Right. So probably then that probably would have been a time where, you know, well, I can provide for her. I can get her things. She'll be taken care Mm -hmm. of would come up. And that would have been a good time to be like, Oh, Hey, okay. By the way, I know that your intentions are well, because in, you know, I think in the American culture, I guess I can speak from that aspect. I would think that would be comforting to a parent to think, Oh, okay. This person can provide and is doing well and they wouldn't drag my child down. But coming from that different cultural standpoint, I think had that been something that he had asked ahead of time, he probably could have been more prepared for that or to not say that. Yeah. I think it's really hard for one to be prepared for anything when they're meeting someone's family. Oh, yeah. No matter what. You can try with all your might to be like, I think it's like a job interview. You know, you think very true. You, you, you can walk into the house and be very respectful and mm-hmm. just like you can a job interview. You can look them in the eye, shake their hand and all this stuff and mind all your P's and Q's and still get asked all this crap that comes out of left field <laughs> that you're not prepared yeah. for at all. Yeah. So yeah. I think that, yeah, the, yeah, there's there's cultural differences in meeting people's family, but there's no physical way that you can exactly. walk into someone's home prepare. and oh, yeah. be like, I am fully prepared to answer every question under the sun here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're still going to oh, sound yeah. like a moron at least one time. <laughs> <laughs> but I think... It's kind of important to note, I mean, you kind of know going into it, I'm with someone who's a completely different cult of a completely different culture. Maybe we should have a conversation before we meet parents. And I imagine that that's something that commonly happens anyway. You should know that, but yeah. I, you told me about your, you told me, Drew, you need to watch out for your mom, my mom. I said, okay, but that's all you said. Yeah. You didn't say she's going to ask you this, that, and the other thing. I didn't think to ask. Well... In my defense, my mother can be a tad unpredictable. <laughs> like I said, <laughs> parents are unpredictable. Yeah, she's predictable in that she's unpredictable. Mm-hmm. But shout out to Miss Jackie. Hey, <laughs> hey, mama. Hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, going back, I guess more to cultures and cultural differences. Mm-hmm. Um, I know in a lot. We went to college together, and we had a large and lengthy crash course in the difference in cultures between black Americans and Africans. And I feel like that was a big, actually kind of campus-wide conversation that eventually happened. And I feel, and I might be, Mm -hmm. it might be a little grandiose of me in the mind, but I feel like our generation at at our school kind of changed the tide a little bit on how relations between Africans and Black Americans went at mm-hmm. school. At least on Baylor's campus, yeah, for sure. Because I won't lie to you, when I was in high school and also um, middle school, a lot of my interactions with African American people were negative, right? Because, and I feel like it's it's a part of that divide and conquer mentality that kind of still sinks its claws into us, you know? Yeah, because. I was bullied badly by people that looked like me that I thought would not be the ones to bully me. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And 
it unfortunately it creates division. Even in like African society, there's there's a division between how they view African Americans and vice versa. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine, I can't tell you how many times I got called an African booty scratcher by yeah, uh, like African American people, and I was just looking like yo. Does that make sense? Like, right, right. I am not your enemy, you know? Yeah. When I, I get afraid when I, like, when I walk in, in the dark just like you would. Because at the end of the day, we look the same. Yeah. So this division is in our minds, in our minds alone, you know? Mm-hmm. But um, like you said, our, our interaction in Baylor and, you know, the, the discussions that we have really made a difference yeah. in our lives. You know, and in a difference in relations, at least on campus. Yeah. You know, but it it was a it was a bit of a sad learning curve on my part yeah. when I first came here to realize that. Yeah. And then you know, as I've grown older, like here listening to the stereotype that Africans have about African Americans is another sad learning curve. Yeah. You know, and I partially blame that on the media. Oh yeah. Like- but. And having those conversations at Baylor and mm-hmm. realizing essentially the the source of all the contention was mm-hmm. how each other was portrayed to the other. Exactly. So exactly. we could understand the, you know, what I understood the frustration that you had with simple questions because I wouldn't understand. Okay, well, they, they asked if they had tea kettles. I don't understand why you blew up over that and once you realize that so many people even in this day and age think that africa is nothing but the children with swollen bellies and little food and in the you know the straw huts and not a full industrialized continent because africa is not a country it's a whole do you speak african nife which of the million languages are you speaking of? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You know, someone asked me once if we had canoes. And, like, I, I promise you, I dead ass just, I was like, nah, fam, we just skate across on our feet. Like, <laughs> what dumb question is that? Yeah. Do you what think... do you mean do we have canoes? Yeah. You know? So when you continuously hear questions, like, ignorant questions like that. Yeah. It, it, it's harder for you to sit back and be like, okay, this person's innocent. Yeah. This person is just asking because they're curious. Right. You know, it's not like an attack. Yeah. And you I know? think when we have those stereotypes kind of staring us in the face because we know that, oh, we, black people are portrayed as being lazy and criminals mm-hmm. and yeah. no good people to mm-hmm. the Africans over there that's why they feel that way about us so of course they're going to be like sending their kids over there be like don't mess with those black people they're going to drag you down we already know what they're about we've seen it on tv i mean i i have a love hate relationship with like stations like bet yeah because it's like i know i understand the need for it you need a place where you can express yourself you need a place where the story your story can be told you know period without being whitewashed or you know or limited but at the same time, it's—I mean, come on! Imagine a Nigerian watching love and hip hop right now. Oh my God! <laughs> like, what do you think their impression will be? Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> like the impression will be terrible. Yeah. And it, it takes stepping out of yourself and of, you know, your the social construct that you've been that have been ingrained in you 
to be like, you know what? No. Yeah. You can't just lump a whole group of people in that in that manner. Like you can't do that. It, mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Then you are no worse than your oppressor. Right. You're sorry, no better than your oppressor if you start doing things like that. You know. Yeah. It, it, it takes time. Yeah, and I think we've we've discussed this on earlier episodes that uh-huh. it sucks to be on the receiving end of realizing that you are part of the problem and you have to unlearn something. That's oh, the whole Lord. point of all of this is sometimes we've all had those moments, even myself. I mean, I had the, you know, full body-wrenching realization <laughs> that... I have no idea about Africa to be able yeah. to speak on it or think about it the way that I previously had. Uh-huh. Like, cause if I'm, you know, you can't kind of point at the other person and be like, oh, you're stupid for asking that question. Of course they're industrialized. But let's be honest, up until that point, I really, if you think about it, I really didn't know anything about it. So I couldn't tell you if you showed a picture of an industrialized city to me, I couldn't be like, oh, that's in Africa. I know exactly where that is. So I had to kind of, okay, let me take a step back because I didn't know either. I need Mm -hmm. to learn. I need to change my mindset on that. And that's why I was really, really happy with what happened at Baylor because that was an example and proof that having these conversations, being open and honest and like, yes, understanding that there's going to be some rawness there. There's going to be emotion but to uh-huh. figure out how we get to the bottom of all of this and how we work better together, it literally sure. changed the tide of African and Black relations on that campus. Well, like, and on my part, I know I can't really speak fully on everyone, but getting to know people like you, Faye, and Maisha, mm-hmm. it actually really changed my life in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Because, you know, taking me from that uber-religious Nigerian household mentality yeah. which honestly has taught me a lot in life but mm-hmm. also before I knew better limited my views of a lot of things yeah you know so being able to hear you know your stories and understand the background of it mm-hmm. and the horrible horrifying history that led to it you yeah. know yeah it, it it changed a lot for me and it also kind of like lit a fire under my butt. That's why I always send you like, like what I used to. I don't see them as much anymore. Like Instagrams of like kings in Nigeria, yeah. and like like king royalty in Ghana, and you know royalty all over Africa. Because I'm like, dude, I want you to understand. Yeah. Not only <laughs> are you not the history that they portray here, yeah. but like y'all are like the royalty. Like, y'all are from straight-up loyalty. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Do you but, think yeah. <laughs> that you get upset at people um, just because of the lack of education? Or is it because of a combination of them, like, trying to be ignorant and and the fact that, that they don't know everything? Because I'm with Julissa. I'm not going to—I don't—if someone tells me they're from Nigeria, I'm not going to be like, cool, man. Wow. Do you have shoes? Like, I'm not going to say stuff like that. <laughs> Because, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, for sure, I, I see the, the commercials, too, and and stuff, but part of me knows, like, that's not how it is everywhere. You know, South Africa, Johannesburg is a very rich country in mm-hmm. the continent of Africa, 
Um, there are some impoverished places, as you know, of course, but I think everybody thinks that the whole continent is impoverished. So is, yeah. that, is that what makes you upset? That's, yeah, that's definitely a part of what makes me upset because I think it's a terrible thing to strip a person of their, a whole group of people of their history and then make them feel like their history and the place that they come from is full of nothing but poverty, decay, and corruption. Mm-hmm. That's sad to me. Yeah. Number one. And number two, in this day of, in this day and age where Google will show you whatever you need to show, whatever you need to see, sorry, mm-hmm. what is your excuse for not knowing? Right. If you wanted to know, oh, okay, do they have canoes in Nigeria? Google. Hey, Google. Hey, Siri. Alexa, do they have canoes in Nigeria? Alexa may cuss you out, but she's going to answer your question. <laughs> you get me? Yeah. Like, you can find these things out. So that's part of what irritated me. Like, what if, what if was, said person doesn't have the internet? This is true. Hmm. Then I guess that's just, that's different. But I would also still be irritated, but I think I would be more understanding. Of course, if you don't have the internet, you have no clue. All you see is TV. That's very different, you know? Right. But, like, in this day and age, especially, like, if you're commenting and saying something ignorant on Facebook, when I know you have internet. Yeah. (laughs) You have data. Yeah. You have access to a mobile handheld computer. Yeah. (laughs) I think what What it boils down to is the fact that people, like we discussed in earlier podcasts, the fact that you can say whatever you want to say. As long as you don't sound like an, an, an ignoramus, and if you, exactly if you want to say said things, like, do they have canoes in Nigeria? You better make sure to try to rule out your own process of elimination here and deduce that on your own before you sound like a moron. Like I didn't go to <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go to Teresa and ask all this stuff stuff about her hair. I asked a friend first, and. <laughs> And then I was like, okay, I, you know, I tried to deduce that information as best I possibly can. And then finally I was like, well, hey, I have a question. You know, I think the whole point of this podcast is the fact that there are a ton of people out there that like to listen to the things that we have to say, which we're very appreciative of those people. Um, But I think there's, there's other people in there that do it to be like, okay, I didn't know about this. And I'm glad that they're putting out this information. And maybe they have a ton of questions that they don't want to ask. And maybe they're shy to ask or afraid to ask. And since we're saying all this information and we have all these people that are full of cultural experiences, um, uh-huh. they can help other people, the shyer people, understand that you're not the only ones thinking about certain things. Yeah, you're not the only one who has questions. I had a lot of questions when I first came here. Mm-hmm. I, I legitimately saw people rode horses in Texas. <laughs> I told my friends I was going to name my horses after them when my hands to the sky. I mean, <laughs> thought that was what Texas was like. Yeah. <laughs> because what did I watch on TV? I watched the Disney Channel. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I watched like old country westerns, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Yeah. But I had a lot of questions. Did I come in and start asking in a ridiculous, insulting manner? No. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. there's a way you can approach everything. Right. There's a way you can, like, you know, just reason it out, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, just, like, think about it and then speak. 
Yeah. But it, it's hard. There were there were times when I felt like I have been ignorant in my life. I have said ignorant things. I yeah. know I have. Oh, yeah. You know, it, they haunt me till today. <laughs> <laughs> there were times when it, it has happened, and, you know, but you have to learn from it. It's, the problem is people, some people don't think they need to learn from it. Right. What's, what was an ignorant thing that you said? Uh, <laughs> man, you're going to put me on the spot like this. <laughs> An ignorant thing. Here's why, here's why I ask. I'll give my background and. information on why I asked this question. Because I have a friend, a dear friend of mine, one of my best friends, a brother of mine. I call him a brother. He's been on the show, so if you've listened to the show, you can kind of deduce this to whomever mm-hmm. you think it is. Um, a brother of mine. He always, I always go to him for advice on the podcast and life advices. Just because mm-hmm. I value his opinion more than I do a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. And uh, every time I'm like, hey, what are your critiques? You know, what are your criticisms? What could we do better? And most of the time he's like, yeah, I like it. However, you can do this on the other thing. But there's been a couple times where he's like, I'll tell you what, I liked this part of the podcast, but everything else I didn't like. And he was like, I think you need to ask the person like the hard shit. Hard questions. Yeah. Gotcha. So, so that's okay. Wrong. Let me let me tell you the most the most haunting thing. I said, um, this was right after 9-11, actually. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about, you know, Islam as a religion. Mm -hmm. And um, one of, um, obviously, Muslim lady, she uh, was speaking about the fact that, you know, people have this conception that um, Islam is a violent religion and it advocates violence. Mm Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know when it just spat out of my mouth, but it is a violent religion. Mm-hmm. And her face. Yeah. Oh, man, her face. I, I remember that moment so clearly. Because the instant I saw her face after I said that, I started apologizing. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But the damage had been done. Yeah. No, like, and that's like, like I said, ingrained stereotyping, ingrained, like, racism that I didn't even understand that I didn't realize that I had until that question, especially after that event came up, you know? Right. And it's, I think, maybe to compensate for that crappy, crappy moment, I, I, when I got older, I spent a lot of time learning about Islam and learning about, you know, the Muslim culture and stuff like that. And and I know that it's the complete opposite yeah. of, you know, what the real, you know, Islam yeah. stands for. But that moment, oh man, that moment haunts me. I wish I could say sorry to that girl. Yeah. Even but, more than I did. And, you know, well, if, if, if it's on the off crazy chance. <laughs> 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 But um, I think it's I can't important. Can't remember the name anymore, but we went to Kepner High School, and I said an ignorant comment mm-hmm. to you in class. If on the off crazy chance you're listening to this, I am sorry. I learned I won't do it ever again, and I have never done it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully she's listening and hears that, and you know, knowing at least a, a teeny bit about Islam, because I will not claim to know a lot about it, but I can mm-hmm. imagine I have that belief that everything is the same at the core. And I can only imagine that she's already forgiven you long ago. What I think is important is the fact that you said that 
you apologized, and then you learned about it. Sure. In, in order to, like, I've said some pretty crappy things in my life too. I called a gay guy a fag once, but it, it that was it was unintentional. The story was he was being really loud and obnoxious in math class when I was a junior in high school, and uh. back then it was that word was deemed to, to call someone. It wasn't to call them a gay person. It wasn't derogatory towards the homosexual people. It was calling them that to be like, okay, you're being stupid. You're being ignorant. So he's being really yeah. loud, and I'm trying to learn because I suck at math already. And I turned around. <laughs> I was like, hey, man, stop being stop being a fag. And uh, he obviously didn't take it too kindly, and I apologized immediately. I was like, hey, man, I didn't mean it like that. I'm sorry. And then, yeah. you know, you learn from situations like that to not to, to yeah. think about things before you say them. And I think a lot of people need to learn that. For sure. Because the truth of the matter is, once you say it, like, words have power. People don't understand. The power of the tongue is serious. Mm -hmm. And when you say something to you, it may not have an impact to you. To you, it may just be like a careless statement. But it it can stick with that person. Yeah. You know? What if because of what I said, this girl decided she hated Nigerians? Right. Or... He didn't want to be in a class with you know people who think that way. You right. get me? Like, yeah, it could have. It makes you feel yeah. horrible as a as a it human being. It makes you feel horrible. Yeah. Because yep. <laughs> I mean, as soon as I said that, I felt like a piece of shit, and yeah. I was just like, oh man, I, you know. And then you realize you realize the true value of words, and like, yeah, for those words aren't supposed to mean that said uh, thing at the time, but it, when you say it. Yeah. You say it meaning the thing, but they take it literally, which yeah. it still means that literal meaning mm-hmm. to that person and everybody. But certain yeah. people perceive the words as they're meant to be perceived. Yeah. And yeah. even though like in our culture, the word retard means something else, like mm-hmm. people who are actually mentally handicapped can take very offenses to that word just because it's very derogatory. Yeah, there's, for there's sure. a ton of words out there that are like that. So I think it's mm-hmm. really important for everyone has had, has had their fair share of of word diary of the mouth per yeah, se, yeah. and not thinking about, <laughs> not oh. thinking of things before they say them. Well, and then just speaking in, in ignorance. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I y'all two have shared your. I'll share a, a moment where I, at least, I don't know if I said anything ignorant, but I know it was an ignorant mindset, and mine was about. Um, women who were victims of domestic abuse and i always felt like they didn't want to be saved if they didn't leave and then i was in i will never forget this i think it was at baylor i was in a sociology class and the way that we we had a speaker come in from actually the uh, family abuse center that helps women who are victims of domestic violence and we did a a a quote-unquote game and we had resources given to us and scenarios played out to figure out whether we got out of a domestic abuse situation whether permanently or temporarily and or if we died or whatever and actually knowing more about that it's not just about leaving it's about access to resources about what you can do or what yeah. your life was tied up in your life right now or at that moment yeah. made such a big impact on my mindset that I could yeah. never believe that 
I thought that way for a long time, but that was from a place of ignorance. And I had to, it took me a while to forgive myself for that one because I I felt like I essentially in my mind and in my heart was, was saying that any woman and specifically women, because that was my mindset at the time. And I really, men, men who were victims of abuse weren't on my radar at that time that in my mind, it was saying to me that every woman who had died as a victim of domestic abuse asked for it. Yeah. And I just, it was hard for me to deal with that. And I, it took a lot of work internally to parse through that and then to make sure that I advocated when I could so that nobody else that I know would have that mindset. Yeah, for For sure. sure. I think, I think as long as everybody's had their fair share of, of ignorant moments, whether you say them or think them, it doesn't make you less ignorant if you said it out loud or thought it. But, um, I think, uh, as long as you learn from them and then at that point in time like you start if like let for Jalisa's thing she started advocating for my thing i learned to think a lot before i said things for your, for, for your thing you did a lot of research right so i think it's important that you learn from your mistakes and then you change as a person after that and change is important yeah. um that's the whole point of this podcast is to I know Jaleesa and I get on here and we talk about a variance of things from interracial relationships to uh, politics per se, because we got on that for for this and the story of us and all sorts of things that are on this podcast. Mm -hmm. But the point of the whole thing is to change. Yep. Things need to be said. People need to hear them. Mm -hmm. They need to be, be changed, but... Thanks for coming on the show, Nife. We really appreciate all your input, and thanks for the support, listening, and commenting, and everything. So we sincerely appreciate that. You're very welcome. I had a good time. Yeah, and <laughs> the, in the words of the Golden Girls, thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back to <laughs> Love you. <laughs> Love you, too. Bye. Bye, sweetheart. She had some pretty good insights yeah. on stuff I had never heard of before. Well, and I think that a great topic that we covered was the dynamic or discord between Africans and Black Americans. Because I think people tend to forget that there are issues within a group that looks the same. Because a person on the street might lump her in like, oh, she's black. Okay. And physically, yes. But she has a different culture. Her culture felt a way about my culture. And my culture felt a way about her culture that was both negative and very ill-informed. And it caused more discord. So I think that that was a great example of how important it is to have conversations, figure out, let's get to the bottom of why we don't like each other. Yeah. Because I really don't know. I'm just, I feel like I'm not supposed to like you. And I feel like a lot of people actually have those feelings of, I don't like you, but they don't know why. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that too. Um, it's a learned behavior also. Yeah. I don't like you, but I don't know why. Because you learned it when you were a small kid and no one ever taught you why. Right. Like it, it just, that's when you have to kind of go back on your own roots and be like, okay, why? Like the the black guy who's in the, he was in the protest. Mm-hmm. 
and he was like, "Hey, why don't you like? Why don't you? Why don't you? Why don't you like me, bro?" And the guy was like, "I don't. I don't know." Yeah. And he was like, "Well, tell me why you don't like me." And the dude said, "I don't know." And then he gave him a hug. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen that, it's a pretty powerful video out there. I don't know what it's called. I'm sorry, but um, go can check try it to, out. I'll try to find it and I'll post it on our Facebook yeah. page. But uh, anyways, that'll do it for episode eight. Um, if you could, actually, you know what? Do it. Subscribe, <laughs> like, and share. Comment on the video. Let us know what you think. Uh, we'll be back for more episodes later. Yeah. This is the end of season one. Oh, snap. <laughs> we doing seasons. <laughs> the end of season one has come to a close. And let me just say, it's been a pretty good experience. It's been fun. Uh, there's been a lot of eye-opening things. I know Jaleesa and I have had some similar opinions, but also some differing opinions. Um, next season, what I would like for you guys to do is ask more questions yeah that's always a goal we want conversations to be started we want your feedback and i feel like it can only get better from here as long as y'all are involved and we really want to hear from you it's a participation thing um no trophies i was gonna say that dang it it. (laughs) but uh please go on there and comment at the very beginning of this podcast thing everyone was shooting us all these questions Hey, ask this, ask that, ask this. Here you go. This will be good. That's great. And I think we've touched on a lot of those Mm -hmm. or most of those. But we need more of that. (laughs) So if you get this far on the episode, thank you. But ask us more questions. Comment on the videos. And we'll see you guys for season two. See ya. See ya.